You're listening to Reading Glasses, a show about book culture and literary life designed to help you read better. I'm author, filmmaker, and book devourer, Mallory O'Mara. And Bria Grant is eating a scone. <laughs> and I'm Bria Grant, actress, filmmaker, and e-reader. And scone eater. And sc- scone eater. <laughs> scone eater and e-reader. This episode <laughs> is all about books that make you happy. And we're going to interview black feminist, performance artist, poet, and writer, Gabrielle Seville. But first... What are you reading, Bria? What are you eating, Bria? That's what I should, <laughs> what I should ask at the start of every show is, what are you eating, Bria? Uh-huh. Um, I am reading a book by a friend of the show uh, that you've already read, Growing Things and Other Stories by Paul Tremblay. Oh, I'm just not reading fuck, it. Isn't it fucking amazing? <laughs> yeah, I feel bad that I haven't read it previous to this, but it takes me forever to get to a book. Um, Paul will forgive you. It's very good. I mean, it just came out. Oh, it just came out in July. Yeah. I thought it came out earlier than that. Um yeah, it's great. It's um, Paul wrote Head Full of Ghosts and Cabin at the End of the World, and uh, he writes very spooky, scary books. This is a bunch of short stories. Um, the title story, Growing Things, is about a world in which some sort of growing thing grows everywhere and like basically stops humanity as we know it because it's like these giant roots kind of plant things growing into like every building if you read head full of ghosts there's a scary story that the big sister tells the little sister about the growing things this story is that oh i didn't realize that yeah interesting but yeah it's great it's great there's so many good stories in here there's there's like a variety they're kind of a variety of lengths most of them aren't too terribly long so it's totally a great like summer book to pick up that's like an easy read but like also scary at the same time it's def- easily my favorite short story collection of the year we yeah all know, we all know how we feel about paul tremblay yeah it's great anytime there's a paul tremblay release it's going to be in my top of the year yeah i mean i think me as well what are you what are you reading so i'm listening to an audiobook called women in power by mary beard uh mary beard is a one of the top historical writers in the world uh she writes on the ancient world and she wrote this it's a short book it's called women in power a manifesto so i think it's only the audio i'm listening to the audiobook it's only like an hour and a half long um, and I'm like a fourth of the way through it right now. And it's her, it came from a talk that she did at the London Review of Books. And it's basically her, an examination starting in the classical world of where mis- like the roots of misogyny are in our culture. And like the first part of the book is like an examination on like the history of men silencing women's voices. And like mm. she goes into, um, you know, the, in the Odyssey and like in, in, in classic and in ancient and uh, ancient greek and roman culture like what this culture was about like you know be, she examines this idea that to be a man was to be good at public speaking hmm. and so literally speaking in public was a masculine thing so hmm. women w- were not allowed to do that and like where how those ideas are reverberating in our culture today and, and just like even in congress you know with elizabeth warren and hillary clinton and it's incredible you know it's not like a feel-good audiobook but it's really really good she reads it and i'm um my best friend lauren has been telling me to read it for a while and i have been kicking myself for that i did not go and read it when it came out a couple years ago it's fantastic so that's women in power by mary beard and mine is growing things and other stories by paul tremblay uh so we want to take a moment to share some listener feedback Megan got back to us about what hallmark relationships meant in her wheelhouse oh right this was the the like 
like yeah the wheelhouse that included hallmark she relationships. Like, hallmark relationships and we were both like what does that mean yeah did it mean like like banner relationships or like the hallmark channel and it turns out yeah so it's ha- so megan says it's hallmark relationships like the movies i mean who doesn't love a good quote-unquote perfect hallmark movie relationship christmas ones are the best ones haha ha. p.s hallmark i'm still waiting for my coffee house barista to be a secret prince who is it me <laughs> Maybe if he was like a secret necromancer i would be into it <laughs> victoria wrote in and said there's an audiobook service i thought you and your listeners might be interested libro fm is an audio book app slash website that partners with indie bookstores so part of each purchase helps to support your local bookstore of choice i did not realize that i've heard it advertised but i've never looked into it they have an extensive catalog and are are a great option for anyone who loves audiobooks but would prefer to shop local if your favorite bookstore isn't already participating you can submit a suggestion to libro fm and they will reach out to them i know how much you two value supporting local bookstores so this seemed right up your alley are you a subscriber to this no, but because I get all my audiobooks through the library. Ah, but if next time I buy one, I will get it from Libro FM. That is really cool. Well, we'll include a link to Libro FM in the show notes. Uh, and Noah wrote in with a wheelhouse, which is unnamed or mysterious narrators. Mm, yeah, I like that too. Invented pantheons or mythologies. Uh, pensive slow burners about priests in the desert. Whoa, very specific. You know Please send lo- us what that one is. You know we love a specific <laughs> thing in your wheelhouse. Slow burners about priests in the desert. How could there be more than one book about that? uh noah please give us send us a follow-up email okay uh so sci-fi from before uh world war ii yeah poetry collections especially in translation stories that take influence from local folklore and nonfiction about words linguistics and lexico lexicography that's a book that's i like those kind of books too and it's the kind of thing that i feel like i should read more of and then i get them and i never read them yeah so uh lauren sent me a book about the like history of swearing which obviously is extremely my shit it's really <laughs> you did, uh, did it but i need to i haven't i haven't read it yet uh so you can email us at reading glasses podcast at gmail.com if you want a list of all the books we talk about on the show delivered to your inbox every month you can sign up for our newsletter there's a link in the show notes and it's a bookmark a bookmark for on my part after a tiny break actually mm. no break because i every month i've been doing it i uh i'm still doing events for a lady from the black lagoon for the rest of the year uh i'm coming to connecticut in september i will be speaking with paul tremblay oh. so i'm super excited about that i love doing events with paul um in october i will be in kansas city uh november i will be in arkansas and in october i will also be at lit, lit quake festival in san francisco very so cool. if you are at any of those places, uh, you should come hang out. And if you're in Texas and you like movies, I have a movie at Fantastic Fest that you should come and see um, that I am in. It's called Something Else, and it's a festival I, that I love. I want to watch this movie so bad. Come to the festival. I'm going to be in <laughs> Connecticut, but I um, will be there in spirit. And I have a short film that I acted in um, called The Vicious that's in a local festival here called Horrible Imaginings that I really like. Um, it's, it's in Santa Ana, right? Yeah, it's in Santa Ana. I mean, local, local to Southern California. So you're in Southern california it's a really cool little genre festival and it's at a cool cool old theater and it's totally worth going to i went last year and had a really good time so if you're into spooky movies either of those things come so you can email us at readingglassespodcast at gmail.com if you want a list of all the books we talk about on the show delivered to your inbox every month and a monthly newsletter that is our book and snack and cocktail recommendations you can sign up for our newsletter there's a link in the show notes uh and that's where a few sometimes people email us and ask where to sign up for the newsletter and that's where it is you go to maximumfun.org you go to reading glasses and all the episodes we've ever done are there with the show notes and it's 
very convenient for you. And so before we talk about books that make us happy, we're going to take a quick break. This episode is sponsored in part by The Great Courses. There's a sense of pride that comes with feeling like you really understand a subject. And with The Great Courses Plus streaming service, you can learn more about virtually any topic from engaging experts in their fields and get unlimited access to thousands of lectures on topics like publishing your own book, which is listeners of our show are interested in, mm-hmm. symbolism behind fairy tales, which we clearly need to listen to. We know to. nothing about fairy tales. Fair, fairy tales. Ter- terrible at fairy tales. Or even er- learn a new language or take better photos. And with the Great Courses Plus app, you have flexibility to watch or listen just about anywhere. Here's something that we've been enjoying that we feel like you would enjoy. A course called The Secrets of Great Mystery and Suspense fiction so you can truly find out what mysteries are in a hurry and which ones are not exactly so this genre has of course been a global phenomenon and this course explores the authors who made it what it was so agatha christie sir arthur conan doyle as well as the elements of the genre that continue to thrill readers everywhere so get that awesome feeling pride that comes with knowledge and sign up for the great courses plus for a limited time only they're offering our listeners an entire month for free that is a lot free so much knowledge but it's free. Can you think about how smart you could get in one month? Yeah. It's very, you could get very smart. You know, summer is not over yet. You could spend one month of free oh, yeah. great courses learning about books and then you'll be an expert. Hey, if you download great courses and you learn something cool, shoot us an email because we want to hear about it on our show and we will read it on the show. Yeah. Or you could tweet us about it. Both. Either works. Just don't send us an Instagram DM because I never check those. And so sign up today using our special URL. That's thegreatcoursesplus.com slash glasses. That's thegreatcoursesplus.com slash glasses. 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 I'm Riley Smurl. I'm Sydney McElroy. And I'm Taylor Smurl. And together we host a podcast called Still Buffering, where we answer questions like, why should I not fall asleep first at a slumber party? How do I be fleet? Is it okay to break up with someone using emojis? And sometimes we talk about bugs. No, we don't. Nope. <laughs> Find out the answers to these important questions and many more on Still Buffering, a sister's guide to teens through the ages. I am a teenager. And... I was two butts, 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 butts. This week, it's all about books that make us happy. It's the hot dog days of summer, or I guess if you're me, it's the cat days of summer. The hot dog days. The hot dog days. Everyone's reading on porches and in hammocks and on beaches. It's time to read some lighthearted books. Reading to widen your worldview and challenge your ideas is great. And everyone has had a book that's gutted them, made them cry their eyes out, scared the shit out of them, or freaked them out in some way. But what about books that just make us smile? Sometimes it's just nice to read a happy book. And it's funny because... I read a lot of horror, but I wouldn't I wouldn't necessarily say it makes me happy because I'm not a fucking psychopath. Uh, <laughs> weirdly enough, I don't think I read enough books that make me smile. Bria, what kind of books make you happy? Um, I definitely pick up some lighthearted books fairly often. Um, I just read one. I think maybe you recommended it to me. It's called The Story Life of A.J. Fickery. Fickery? Not I, said the Um, Mallory. I can't remember who recommended this to me. I got it from the library and before I left, and I had no idea what it was about. It's about the life of a 
of a bookseller on a small island. He's really grumpy, and then he finds a child left in his bookstore. He decides to adopt her, and then he's less grumpy. And that's sort of what the book is, and it's really nice and pleasant. Um, it's the kind of book that, like, is just like sort of like a finding love. It's not. It has some dark moments for sure, but. Um, that kind of book really, like, this, like, it's not so heavy. I mean, obviously, finding a child in a bookstore is a heavy thing, but the way they deal with it is kind of light and everything feels like it's just going to work out the whole time. Like, you're not super worried for anyone's well-being, I think, because I also read a lot of genre books, and I think that those kind of books that are a little bit lighter make me feel better. I also like to read books about happiness i've read a few books like about non-fiction happiness. books yeah um the one um obviously that comes to mind is the happiness project by gretchen rubin um i like gretchen rubin i think she's she's a real gem real gem in our, in our world and she wrote a book just about she had it she had a pro, she did a bunch of research on happiness and like um she decided to do like eight things or something i don't remember what it was over the course of a year they're supposed to make you happier it's like find community i can't remember all of them and sort of like wrote about what it did and as i i liked the like self-improvement aspect of Mm it and there's a few other books that like study happiness and i find when i read them i do like them like the thing about happiness is when they measure it for people you actually never go like you have a base sort of happiness yeah that you live in and you never really actually go that much above or below that base happiness so like if i don't know yours is seven and mine is four i will rarely get to seven but you'll probably rarely get to four does that make sense yeah does the way i'm describing that make sense yeah well because i think it might be a little bit skewed for us because i think you and i are generally like very happy people it's very true it's i think you and i are of of an above average happiness yeah i agree i totally agree well i for me i think it's weird because actually we were just talking about this right before we started uh, recording the show where the past but the whole year has been cr- absolutely fucking crazy for both of us between movies and book tour and all all the shit and like right now happiness to me just looks like a week where nothing happens mm-hmm. i just get to write my book and research my book every day and read and hang out with jeremy and my cats and and work out every like and that's like that sounds like a perfect week for me right now yeah i mean i think the it's good that you recognize that and I also can recognize my like hap- where I'm like, okay, I know I actually like allow time in for that. Yes. Like yesterday was midday. I've only been back from Bulgaria for like three days and I was like, I know I have a lot to do, but I really would like to see the new Alamo Draft House downtown in LA and I just went for a movie in mid-afternoon, which I feel like is the ultimate luxury. Yeah, to go well, and for sure. See a midday movie. Uh, I knew I had a lot of phone calls to return, but I was like, I, I don't know. I need to allow a little, little, little self-preservation time. A little yes. like I've been on a flight for 15 hours. I like am um, completely not in my own time zone. I'm having trouble. Like I have a lot of shit to do because I've been gone for so long. But like allowing that time in. And I think that that's to get it back to books. Like allowing myself occasionally to read a fluffy book. Yeah. Well, I, well that's actually my, my whole thing is that I think that I don't read enough happy books like i had to i had to i really had to think about this because you know the the books that i generally read are weird and fucked up Mm -hmm, i love mm -hmm. horror books i love weird fiction um but 
so I had to like I literally just like sat in my bedroom with Sailor and Lula and like sat on the floor and like looked at all of my books. I'm like, which one <laughs> of these motherfuckers is a happy book? Uh, I think so. I think the first kind of book that makes me happy is like whimsical and weird instead of like fucked up and weird. Uh, like Ray Bradbury's Dandelion Wine stories, like where the writing is beautiful and lyrical and everyone's just like drinking lemonade on a porch. Mm-hmm. Like books that like delve into like pleasant sensory experiences. I think that's something ah. that Ray Bradbury does really well. Like when you're reading a Ray Bradbury story, uh, at least one that's like happier, you know, it's about like running through the grass and your bare feet and like feeling the sun on you or like feel it, hearing the creak of a, of a wooden porch. Like that kind of stuff makes me really happy because it's just like it's very soothing it's mm-hmm. like very immersive it's very it's just fucking pleasant and mm-hmm. i think that like i don't read a lot of pleasant books <laughs> i think the second kind of book that actually makes me happy is low stakes books and yeah. i don't think i read enough of these i think i think that's what i was trying to say too like it's like yes. not you're not worried that it's, it's not a life or death situation yeah like the world isn't gonna end no one's getting murdered like you know i and i think that's why i take low stakes books on vacations it's like literary fiction books where nothing terrible is going to happen no matter what like um maria semple's books uh like where'd you go Bernadette you know they're books uh, about like yeah. rich quirky ladies who are bummed out about their rich quirky lady lives and like <laughs> like the worst thing that's gonna happen is like you know they they lose they they can't find their purse right right something right something stupid like that I like and I I what I'm what when I say this stuff I'm not talking down about Maria Semple's books right. I think they're that's what we're trying to say is these are just as important you know just because like the world is an ending doesn't mean it's not a great piece of literature it doesn't have something important to say right uh, and it's not can't, I mean, I think it can be good for you. That's yes. what we're trying to say. Yes. And I, I also, I think I like these books because I can drink while I read them mm. and I can still follow what is happening. <laughs> so what do you think, Bria? Should, should we read more happy books? Yeah. I mean, I read a lot of books that upset me, but then resolve by the <laughs> end in a non-upsetting way, like a yeah. lot of, uh, you know, a post-apocalyptic book and then they find their way, you know, or they're looking for this person and they're, they find them or like this horrible, tragic event in history and then turns out your family is there for you like you know like these yeah. these things that have an okay ending and um maybe my wheelhouse is that books that resolve by the end in a non-upsetting way it's yes. like i do like a tidy ending yeah which is something that makes me very happy yes okay. like the the neatness of an ending yeah um but uh like a book that comes to mind like is sort of in this category um as far as like low stakes goes is that book sourdough Yes, which by is, Robin Sloan. It has some magical realism, but it has a real tidy resolution. And it's yeah. sort of woman on a journey. Making some bread. Making bread. Like, what a dream. What a wonderful dream you're living. Yeah. Like, like, it's such a low stakes. I mean, she quits her job and stuff, but it, it, you're never worried about, you're never like, how is she going to pay her rent? Yeah. Like, how is she going to feed her children? And yeah. I do love those books where I'm worried about the woman trying oh, to pay for her sure. rent. But I think, like, finding the room for these books is good and this is just a total side note. I find I recommend that book a lot to people. Yeah. All the time. now, this year, where, like, the world is, like, we, we're living in, like, this dystopian nightmare land. Exactly. Or, like, kind of, like, n- people who don't read the same, like, really heavy stuff that I will read sometimes. Yeah. Like, they don't, they're like, I'm not interested in a book, like, about um, magical realism, about the Underground Railroad. I It's too dark. And I'm like, I totally get it. Read Sourdough. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I honestly think I should read more of these. And I think I, I wanted to do this episode because I think this is very different from your wheelhouse. Like, our both of our wheelhouses are pretty dark. You know, mm-hmm. like, I like, where, I think the only happy thing in my werewolf, or in my, in my werewolf, in my wheelhouse is talking bears. Like, the rest of my wheelhouse is like, estranged families, haunted houses, werewolves. Like, I think that, 
I need to read more happy books. And I think this is, I think you brought up a good point. I think this is a really good book slump hack too. Mm. Like there's this idea that reading always has to be doing something like educating us in some way, teaching us something new about ourselves and the world and other people and result and like looking at these big issues. And, And sometimes we can lose sight of the fact that like books are entertainment too. And that just that being entertained and taking a break and being Un, not stressed out is just as important. Yeah. And I think I need to buy more low stakes literary fiction. I'm going away this weekend. Me and Jeremy are going away for my birthday because it's going to, it's actually going to be my birthday. Oh, it's going to be my birthday the week after this comes out. Your birthday happened the week before. Yes. Yeah. This before. is time travel. Yeah. Time travel. <laughs> right. So my birthday is going to be the week before this episode comes out. It's Thursday the 15th. Uh, so we're going away for the weekend. And I'm like, I think I should bring a low stakes literary fiction book. I think that's yeah. what I want right now. I think I need more fun, happy books in my life. Like um, the one of the ones I was thinking of for this episode, and I've talked about it on the show before, is The Readers of Broken Wheel Recommend. Oh, yeah. I actually think bookstores kind of have – there's quite a few bookstore-based Yes. Books that are kind of happy books. I think bookstore books are in. This is such a, like a one of those like she sells. She, 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 she sell, oh wow! I can't even do. It. She sells. See? She, she sell. Nope. She sells. She, she sells seashells by the seashore book uh, things because um, I think books bookstores bookstore books are intrinsically happy because readers don't want anything bad to happen in a bookstore yeah yeah so it's just like it's like Keep so that many out of the bookstore our, yeah it's so many of our our happy places that mm-hmm. we're like oh let's just have a, like a nice thing happen in a yeah bookstore. yeah yeah um so you can head and send your happy book recommendations to reading glasses podcast at gmail.com and before we talk to gabrielle seville we're going to take a quick break These are real podcast listeners, not actors. uh, Hey, thanks for coming. Here's a list of descriptors. What would you choose to describe the perfect podcast? I mean, vulgarity. Dumb. Definitely dumb. And like, uh, right here, this one, meritless. What if I told you there was a podcast that did have all of that? No. Jordan Jesse Go. And it's free. Jordan Jesse Go? Jordan Jesse Go. Jordan Jesse Go. A real podcast. So here we are with black feminist performance artist, poet, and writer Gabrielle Seville. Gabrielle, thank you so much for joining us. Ooh, I'm so delighted to be here. What are you reading right now? Oh my God, I'm reading 86 million different books. <laughs> That's one of my quirks. I read a million books at the same time, but I'm going to just narrow it down to a few. Um, I'm halfway through Elizabeth Acevedo's second book for young readers, With the Fire on High, and it's her follow-up to The Poet X, which I really loved. And this time she's following um, a teenage mom who wants to be a chef. So that's sort of like my fun book right now. Um, as you probably know, Toni Morrison just recently died. And when I heard the news, I actually had a deadline for writing something. And I just stopped what I was doing and wanted to be around her words. And so I went to the library because I wanted to get a book of hers I hadn't read yet. Mm-hmm. And it's her new one, The Source of Self-Regard. And so, I mean, just reading, I've read like 10 pages in this book and it makes me want to write. I don't know. It's such a inspiring book for me. So I'm sort of slipping that in. 
Then I'm always reading poetry every day. I'm usually kind of dipping in and out. And poetry for me is really exciting because you can just read a poem or two. You don't necessarily need to sit down and read the whole book all the way through. So even when I'm really busy, it's a way for me to continue to stay connected with language. And so I'm reading two books of poems right now or kind of dipping into two books of poems. One is Catalog of Unabashed Gratitude by Ross Gay. And it's such a good summer book because it's sort of like, you know, all about being underneath a fig tree or, you know, slowing down and appreciating what it is to button a shirt. I mean, it's really very simple things that he focuses <laughs> on, but really beautiful. And then also this book called Red by Chase Berggren. And this is an erasure of Dracula. And Chase Berggren is a trans poet oh. and was working on this while they were going through transition surgery. And so it's kind of interesting the way that the language reflects on transformation in the body and, you know, what is a woman, what is a man, what is a monster, um, what is a vampire. So that's in the mix. And then at night, sometimes I'm still dipping into um, Her Body and Other Parties by Carmen Maria Machado. Nice. Yeah, I mean, I know everybody and their brother was was talking about that book for a million years, and finally I got it, and I know what they were talking about. What a good book. So I'm sort of letting myself be slow with it because I'm really enjoying it. So those are the main things that I'm dipping into right now. Although I have some other things on You know, a lot of people say they're reading a lot of stuff, and you actually are reading a lot of stuff. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I really am. I love books so much. I'm a complete and utter book fool. (laughs) So speaking of books, can you tell us about your new book, Experiments in Joy? Sure. Experiments in Joy is my second memoir and performance, as I call them. And this particular book focuses on my work as a Black feminist performance artist, but specifically engaging in collaborations and thinking about collaborations and solos and what we can do with other people or what I felt like I could do with other people that I couldn't just do by myself. And the kinds of things that I was able to learn about myself through my experience of working with other people and how I learned from them and with them. And so the book um, has also been called an experimental memoir because it isn't in a traditional narrative form. And my first book, Swallow the Fish, also was non-traditionally narrative. Both of the books are kind of mixtapes or Um, compendiums of emails, essays, meditations, images, performance texts. And in this book, Experiments in Joy, there are a lot of letters and conversations. And so it's very dynamic. There's a lot of, there's a big cast of characters in this book who sort of show up and in some instances are woven through. So yeah, I really am proud and happy that this book is in the world. So can you tell us a little bit about the joy in the book? Yeah, I think that right now it is such a cataclysmic, catastrophic, challenging, tragic, sorrowful time in the world. It feels both um, improbable and absolutely urgent to be talking about joy. And I think that as my friends who are parents of toddlers will say, joy is not always fun. You know what I mean? It can be. Joy in this book at times can be pleasure or the wonderful rush that you get from being in performance or hanging out with your friends or making art. But joy in this book in particular, even even along with or even beyond that, has to do with a sense of really imagining something else 
and coming out of a black feminist tradition in particular, this imperative to imagine against the status quo, to imagine your life, your work, your relationships, your possibilities as being beyond what might immediately be presented to you. And so that for me is the vibration of joy that's moving through the book. And it also, the specific title Experiments in Joy came out of um, a project that I worked on with six other Black women performers, all with different relationships to the words Black women in performance, which is to say we had different kind of gender identities, different sexualities, different ethnicities within Blackness, different ages. And we were tasked to create a kind of call for ourselves and our communities to do something creative, to make something in the world. And without even knowing what the call was going to be at the very beginning, as we played and talked and hung out and brainstormed, we decided together the call that we wanted to kind of put out into the world was for people to conduct experiments in joy. And that really became a framework for me in my own life for thinking about the kind of work that I wanted to do and also for organizing this book. That is awesome. I yeah. kind of want to live your life. Come <laughs> on over. It sounds so rad. So this whole episode is about books and types of books that bring joy and make us happy. What books or types of books make you happy? Well, first of all, all books make me happy. I am a self-described book fool. I love <laughs> books. I have Usually wherever I am, there's at least one book shoved in my purse or my tote bag. And I'm, I'm pretty much an equal opportunity reader in that I can go high and I can go low. Okay. However, I think my particular joyful <laughs> wheelhouse I love books about people coming into their creative voice, into their creative life. I love books about, you know, like women becoming poets or women becoming artists or just women, you know, creatively taking over their lives. Although the books don't necessarily have to be about women. I do find that if you if you show me a book about like women becoming artists, usually I'm there. So I think about The Animators by Kayla Ray Whitaker or... Um, <laughs> I think even back in the day, that book, Fugitive Pieces by Anne Michaels, somebody was becoming a poet in that. I mean, I'm just hanging out mm. in people trying to describe that. Or The Poet X by Elizabeth Acevedo. I loved that book because here you had a girl writing in her journal and then all of a sudden trying, you know, turning those into poems and then gaining the courage to go out into the world. So that's a big wheelhouse for me. And I also love weird books by women. I mean, I just love books that are risky or strange or are trying something new formally or telling a story that I haven't seen or heard before. So for example, I love this book, Chronology by Zara Patterson, which is a dossier of documents. And at first you're wondering like, what are all these things? You know, there's like emails and quotes from books. And you think like, what story is this telling? And then as you read it, you realize that it's like these little bits of language that are telling the story of a relationship that she had a friendship with a friend who's recently passed away. And so you're seeing just through the inventive way that she's putting this book together, how our lives get distilled down into these small bits of writing. I love books like that, you know, or people who led to my plays by Adrian Kennedy. What a strange book just like a scrapbook of pictures and captions, but it just tells her life in just like that, just as almost like a photo album. So those are the kinds of books that bring me joy. And so, yeah, this book has performance text in it as well, which is super, super cool. What Are there any performances that have made you really happy? 
So many, so many performances. I mean, there are performances I myself have done, <laughs> which have made me happy. Just this summer, I did a performance with Mo Lionel, who's actually featured in the book, who's my one, one of my exes. And um, it was a performance that had to do with moving through sort of medical trauma or moving through difficult things that happen. And I just have to say, every night after we did that work, we did it in a festival called Queertopia in Minneapolis. I felt like a weight had been lifted off me. I felt so happy just to have been able to sort of be with a person I was really close to and be on a stage and sharing my truth. And it just felt like I had moved through this wonderful process every night. Or another performance actually that's in Experiments in Joy called Anemone. You know, I love performance in general as a, as a maker because you just get to materialize or manifest your dreams. So I had like these long colored braids. They were pink and they were blue and a turquoise. And <laughs> I just was almost like a mermaid. And, but I was try, I was really opening my heart and talking about love and making up songs. And it just, I got to do all of these things that in my everyday life, I might not have a chance to do. And I mean, I think that's what excites me when I'm watching performances as well, to watch people kind of truth tell and open up spaces to share something that in everyday life you might not have an opportunity to experience or that you might see in everyday life but isn't commented on. So recently in the New Original Works Festival at Red Cat, so I, right now I, you know, I'm living in Southern California and I, I often go to Red Cat as a place to see interesting performance and there was a woman named Sola Bamis who did a piece called Tutorial and it was lit I mean she just took on this form of internet <laughs> tutorials as a way to talk about race as a way to talk about in particular relationships between black women and white women I mean she sang and she was in characters and the work was just so powerful and strong and I felt like we as an audience were coming together to witness something and be a part of something really special. So I just saw that maybe like a couple of weeks ago and I loved it a lot. Um, but I mean, I see performances all yeah, That sounds the time. so cool. I love the Red Cat. That it. place is just always showing stuff that I just, I just have never been able to, I've never seen before. Or there was a piece called What If They Went to Moscow by a Brazilian maker named Christian Jatahi, and half of it was film, live film, and half of it was theater. That was extraordinary. I just came back from Seattle where I did a, um, a wonderful dance intensive with a dancer named Mayfield Brooks, who does improvising while black and she did an incredible piece where a lot of it, she was dancing in darkness, but you could see your feet, like hear her feet on the ground. You could sort of see glimpses of her body. And it made you think so much about fugitivity. One of my favorite works ever is by uh, Miguel Gutierrez, who had a piece called Age and Beauty Part Three, where he had dancers that ranged from age nine to, in um, you know, a dancer in his 60s and just just the range of bodies on the stage. I, I mean, I just love opportunity. Jerome Bell had a piece like that called Gala, where there were all these different people with different bodies on a stage and moving together. To me, that is so joyful, so hopeful, the actual presence of actual people and not just the way that we're mediated back to ourselves sort of in the news, which is often really hateful. 
So, Gabrielle, tell us a little bit about your reading life. We know that one of your reading quirks is that you read a million books at once, which is awesome. Yes. Is there any other parts, any other quirky parts of your reading life that you want to share? Sure. Okay. So, first of all, even if I'm only going away for like a weekend, I have to bring books with me on the plane. You all will probably relate. And I usually need mm-hmm. to have like a fun novel, but then I also have to have a volume of poems. And then sometimes it's like a book for work. And then there's a magazine. And I just think like, I'm going away for two days. Why am I bringing all of these books? But it just feels like, you know, you never know what you might need to be reading. So that's one quirk. Another quirk is that I always write down, I make a list of the books that I read in a year. And that list appears on the very last page of my journal. So in the past, when I, you know, as a kid, you know, I've always kept journals, but it would always be stressful. Like, oh no, there's only a page left. What should I do with that page? So I decided like, you know what, take the pressure off and just keep a list of books that you're reading. But then if you fill up the journal, then when you get a new journal, you have to start again and make a list of everything that you read beforehand in that year. And you're rewriting that list. So that's another quirk of mine. Maybe the last quirk I'll tell you about is the one another old quirk from childhood, but I've not been able to get rid of it. I'm a big library hound, and I was checking out so many books from the library or from different libraries that I had to have a trick, and my trick had to do with checking out books that were at a certain number. Like, so I could check out one book, but if there was another book that I saw that it needed to be three because my numbers were one, three, five, seven, and 10. So just the other day, there were four books that I wanted to read and I, you know, they were on hold for me, but I couldn't leave the library until I found that fifth book. It's just one of those things like, oh, here are the four, but either I need to not check out one of these right now or I have to check out another one to hit the number. So that tells you the kind of book weirdo I actually am. (laughs) That's amazing. (laughs) So Gabrielle, where can we find you online and where can we find your book? So you can find Experiments in Joy um, in fine independent bookstores near you. Um, You can definitely buy it on Amazon or Barnes and Noble um, or I think there's like an indie book link as well. And you can find me on Facebook or I have a website, GabrielleSevilleArtist.com. And if you're interested, you can also sign up for my newsletter on the web on my website, and then that will keep you in the loop about all of the bookicious things that I'm up to. Awesome, Gabrielle, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Now it's time to solve a bookish problem from one of our listeners. Catherine wrote in, since many of my friends and family members know I love to read, they often give me books as presents. My husband, for example, will give me books as gifts, but if I don't read them right away, he gets sad and thinks that I don't like them when I really just don't have the time to read them. One of my coworkers also loves to lend me books. Sometimes right after she reads something, she will pass it on to me. I should note, I am not 100% a fan of all the books she reads. I can't bring myself to tell her that I'm not a fan of Nora Roberts, for example. (laughs) She is just so enthusiastic that I don't want to disappoint her. She even gave me a library book once and told me, I trust you you to return it on time. I just imagine her like slowly drawing her finger across her neck (laughs) while she says that. Uh, The expectations of the people around me to read their books is stressing me out. Do you prioritize gifted and or borrowed books? Or do you explain that you will get to them in due time? How do you avoid hurting your loved one's feelings if you don't want to read their book gift right away? Bria, what should Catherine do? Oh, my God. Yeah. The idea of someone handing me their library book that's due 
can we just like do this math really really fast okay they took maybe a week to read it mm-hmm. let's say they read it fast they read it in a week and then so that means that you have two weeks to read it but what if you're knee deep in like a huge ass book like that's so rude it's intense um let's just i can't even i can't even deal with the pressure of that like yeah. i would just immediately go to the library and return it i would not even think about it i would just i would literally go thank you and go straight to the library and return it Did you return somebody else's library book yeah you just put it in the slot oh fair enough because right. i always I, they always scan my little card when i bring my books back so i'll put it in the slot outside gotcha. anybody can return a library book anyone good to know um i think there's a way to diffuse all of these situations though this is like my don't nice, ever talk to anybody ever again this is my nice lady way of diffusing it which is um i just keep talking about your giant tbr pile like when someone gives you a book you'd be like oh my god thank you it's gonna go i have so many books to read i have so many books which is not untrue it sounds like this is exactly what Catherine Catherine actually has a ton of books to read so i would just say it's gonna go on top of my giant tbr pile thank you like i mean just like let people know in a nice way you don't have to be like i have too many books don't give me books because i think Catherine wants these books for the most part except Maybe. for the nora roberts except for the nora roberts yeah um i don't think there's anything wrong with moving a book you're excited about to the top of the pile because you want to read it and your husband gave it to you and like it gives a combo pressure from yourself and your husband but i don't don't you don't have to read the book because your husband gave it to you no you don't have to move it i, I would just like Make sure you put it on the shelf with the other books. He can see it's that it's there. And it's a signal of this is there and I will get to it eventually. And then when you do read it, you know, say thank you and mention it to the person. I think yes. that's all people want. They just want to be like, they want to have that book conversation with you. Yes. Like, oh my God, I read the book you gave me finally. I really liked it or I didn't like it or here's yes. my opinion about it. That's what these people are actually looking for. Yes, 100%. They're not looking to pressure you. Yes. I think. What, what do you think? Well, yeah. So I, I think the first thing that, that Catherine really needs to know is like, well, first off, your fucking husband needs to calm down. <laughs> it's just not okay to book pressure someone, even if they're doing it in a kind way. And so I used to be very susceptible to the reading expectations of people around me, especially since I read so fast. So people are like, oh, you'll read this in like a day. Here, take a bunch of books. And I'm like, oh, no. Yeah. Um, I don't want to feel like I'm letting someone down. So Catherine, I 100% get that because I'm like, oh, my God, they took the time to like – give me this book and they're thinking of me but really they're thinking about themselves yeah. and we that's what we, we are all doing that like when i let someone when i tell someone to read a book it's because i want to talk about it with right them. of course of course so it's not like it's like the, this great fucking kind act that they're doing i mean it is still nice but it's like you know it's also part of like they want to talk to you about it um it's honestly part of the reason i do not borrow books right i do not borrow books from people because you don't want people asking you about it later that, but also, like, I just don't want the responsibility. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. want to eat some, I want to eat my spicy Cheetos with my, with right. chopsticks while I'm reading it. <laughs> like, I just don't want anything touching my, I'm very protective of my reading. Okay. Um, and it, but, it, so it took me a long time, but I, now I just don't have any timeline or schedule for gifted books. I, you know, you need to read them whenever the fuck you want. If someone is pressuring you and keeping an eye on, or God forbid, fucking checking in when you read something... They're the ones who are in the wrong. It's not you. It's not like it's like one of those comedy of errors things in, in like in in sitcoms when like someone gives you or like forces a responsibility on you and all of a sudden you're like running around all episode trying to take care of like this baby that someone forced. Right. It's like an episode of Seinfeld or something. Yeah, but it's not your fault that someone gave you the baby. <laughs> you know, you gave me the baby and now I have a responsibility to the baby. Yes. yes that- agreed. Agreed. It's not. It's not your fault. And I, so I would be, if you're comfortable with it, first off, I'd say, I'd be honest. And if someone is putting pressure on you and checking in and like, especially if your husband's like, oh, you don't like it. I would say, hey, you know, you're putting a lot of pressure on me to read this book. You're putting a lot of pressure on this book and it's making me not want to read it. 
And but if you're uncomfortable with that kind of confrontation, I think Bri- Bria, I think that's one of the first times we have a united book advice yeah. i think we have just say wow i have a huge tbr stack right now um but i'm gonna get to it as soon as i can and i would like this fucking coworker. i would definitely cut, cut her off at the pass and tell her like oh hey you know i have a huge tbr um this the, the next few weeks i just got my holds in at the library um that's another great one you know, hey just got my holds in at the library i have a bunch of stuff that i yeah. have to read I, I I can't read your library book right now because mine just came in. Or or like I'm listen. I'm 400 pages into an 800 page book. I'm yes. never going to get to this book before you. It's too bad. Yeah. Yes. And if she's letting you just borrow a book, say that you know yeah my holds just came in at the library. It's going to be a little while before I get to this. But thank you so much. And you can also tell them that length of time. Like be like you know I may not get to this for another month or two because I just got a ton of books and yes. and that's like the amount of time it's going to take me. And if they're and then it just gives them lower expectations. Yes, absolutely. And then hopefully they'll fucking forget about it and then you don't have to worry about it anymore uh so if you want us to solve your reader problem you can send it to reading glasses podcast at gmail.com as always we want to thank danielle and kathy who run our facebook group and chrissy and rachel who moderate our goodreads page remember you can buy reading glasses tote bags and shirts and bookmarks in the maximum fun store there's a link in the show notes and if you like the show and want to do something for us for free you can uh, rate and review us on itunes I, I, which we should do something special like if we get to like i think we're we're closing in on 800 or we're like cl- where we've passed 700 for sure um so maybe we'll do something special soon the only way for t- for listeners to find out is by continuing to rate and review us so you can email us at reading glasses podcast at gmail.com find us on twitter at reading g podcast on instagram at reading glasses podcast and you can always follow along on our bookshop ventures using the general hashtag reading glasses podcast thanks for listening and, and thanks, thanks for reading, reading. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.